Inspired by the C.S. Lewis book, Mere Christianity, this podcast is about why I believe what I believe. Welcome to Bear Christianity. Well, you just heard it there in the intro. This podcast is why I believe what I believe. And obviously, I try to stick to that. Sometimes the episode is more in a negative sense, like why I don't believe what I don't believe. Uh, However, over the next few weeks, or maybe several weeks, who knows, um, I'm going to step away from that slightly and just sort of walk through some, some observations that I've made as I've really studied the Genesis 1 creation narrative. And so we'll walk through the different days of creation. I know today's podcast is titled Day 1. I, I may combine some days. It just depends on the the amount of uh, content that I have to share. Anyway, so that's what we'll be doing over the next several weeks. You can always connect with me by email, bearchristianity at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram at the real bear Martin and Twitter at bear for the number four Christos. And so for our little segment called A Bear in the Woods, I want to talk about a recent development, the McDonald's Adult Happy Meal. Okay. First off, America, can we grow up? I mean, a Happy Meal, really? Uh, but you can get a, a Happy Meal from McDonald's. Maybe, you know, you're, you're reliving the childhood memories of getting a Happy Meal and how happy that made you. But anyway, you can get a Big Mac or 10 Nuggets as an adult Happy Meal. And this is a limited edition, by the way. So I don't think this is something McDonald's is planning to do for a long time. I think it ends actually uh, at the end of the month, October. So limited edition, you get this collectible box if, if people are actually collecting that. Um, and also a collectible toy. Now, McDonald's toys, historically, I'd, I'd love to know the return on investment for a McDonald's toy. I re- As a kid, I remember when it, McDonald's had their little McDonald's Happy Meal version Beanie Babies, and people were losing their mind over Beanie Babies. It, this McDonald's has the, you know, some, the dog that everybody wants or whatever. I, I forget the, uh, the prized Beanie Babies, but I remember people flocking to certain McDonald's when they would get a shipment in of their the new toys, uh, the new, new Beanie Babies. But, I mean, has, has Beanie Babies made anybody any significant money? I know a lot of people collected them, and I just don't hear about Beanie Babies anymore. Maybe there's a lot of money in them, but uh, I haven't heard that. Anyway, uh, so supposedly a collectible toy from McDonald's. Now, for this this Happy Meal, if you compared it to just getting a Big Mac combo or a 10 nugget combo, the the general, roughly, the general upcharge is about two and a half dollars, depending on what part of the country you're in and that sort of thing. Two and a half dollars for a special box and a plastic toy. Um, so instead, I think the, the better decision is to add ice cream. Instead of getting the Happy Meal, just order a Big Mac combo and add some ice cream. That is, if the ice cream machine is actually working. Okay, so here's some observations of Genesis 1. Remember the context here. Moses wrote the first five books of the New Testament, and this is to, well, obviously it's to us today as well. God intended for us to have it. But the original audience of the Torah, the first five books, Moses is writing to the Israelites. Now, God has rescued them from slavery in Egypt, 
and the Ten Commandments were given, and the Israelites are now wandering in the wilderness. And Moses you know, gives them these books. So let me read the day one creation account, Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, there's four phrases that I want to talk about. God said, God saw, God separated, and God named. God said, God saw, God separated, God named. So first off, God said. Creation is from the spoken command by God. God said, that phrase is mentioned 10 times in Genesis 1. And John Frame, I've told you that I'm, I'm going through a the, the systematic theology book by John Frame with a discipleship group at church. Uh, John Frame says this in, in his very large book on page 22. It says, the Lord sovereignly issues commands in Genesis 1, and even things that do not exist obey him by springing into being. So God spoke a command. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so again, remember the context that Moses is writing to teach the people about the God who rescued them out of the slavery in Egypt. And it says that the God of the Bible is the God who has the power to speak things into existence, even light. So to an Israelite coming out of the the culture of Egypt, in Egypt, the main Egyptian god is known as Ra, or also sometimes it's it's spelled R-E, so I guess that would be Re or Re, or uh, who knows. But anyway, Ra or Re is the, the main Egyptian god, and Ra was thought to be the creator god of Egypt. Now, Ra is the Egyptian word for sun as well, and Pharaoh was referred to as the son of Ra. So Pharaoh was thought to be deity as well. Now, to an Israelite, when they read this passage, it is the Lord who speaks things into existence. The Lord is more than just a sun god. He speaks light into existence. And we're going to see later that God creates the sun to rule the day, but God is the ultimate source of light, not the sun or a sun god. In Revelation 21, verses 22 and 23, it says this, and this is talking about at the end of all things, when when God has made all things new, redeemed his people, it says this, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. So the, that's the first thing there. God said, and and God has the authority. He he has the power to speak things into existence. And so, what does that teach the Israelites about this God who saved them from Egypt? When God speaks, listen. All right. Now the next thing, God saw. It, God, that phrase is mentioned seven times in Genesis 1. And in Scripture, a lot of times to see something is, is more than just taking in visual information. It's actually to make a judgment. 
to see something is to, to make a judgment. Let me give you several examples. In Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man, this is right before the, the flood, Noah's flood, okay? So the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of of the Lord. Genesis 6:12 and God saw the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. We constantly judge what we see. And and sometimes we are wrong as humans. Sometimes we are wrong in our in our judgment of what we're seeing. Uh, an example that I thought of here is I was taking a concealed carry class and I don't remember the the exact situation that the the teacher presented but it was something like this. Um, you walk into a gas station, and, and, and the context here is he's talking about, you know, are you going to use your gun or or not, you know, to, to defend yourself or protect others and that sort of thing. So he sort of set us up, but he said, you walk into a gas station and you see a, a, a man holding up a gun, to uh, holding a woman at gunpoint, okay? And so you, you're, it's like, do you react? Do you try to shoot the man or disarm him or whatever? Well, he says, you, basically, you've walked into this, to this situation and you don't know any, you know, any prior context to what's going on. And so you have to be careful in making a judgment too quick. He said, what if the woman was actually robbing the gas station and the, the man holding her at gunpoint had disarmed her and was waiting for the police to get there? So you can't just, you know, sometimes when we see a situation, we make the wrong judgment. Now, God's judgment, obviously, is never wrong. And so as Christians, we should strive to see the world as God sees the world. And and knowing the Bible helps us do this because the Bible teaches us the nature and character of God, and we need to try to align ourselves and, and see things as God sees them. That's That's wisdom. Now, Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Never be wise in your own judgment would be an, another way of saying that. Again, I'm trying to get at this, that that to see something a lot of times in Scripture is, is to make judgments on them. Psalm 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. So, Lord, as as you're examining my heart, as you're judging my heart and the words that come out of my mouth, David's saying, God, would, would your judgment of that be acceptable? So, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, when God sees something, a lot of times it's talking about his judgment. And in Genesis 1, God saw that the light was good. Now, to the to the dark here, there's no specific statement. It says that God saw that the light was good. That I've heard, I've read a lot of different opinions on this phrase. So I would say let's be careful not to read too much into this. I don't think that necessarily you can say that darkness implies something bad or evil, because later God will judge all creation as being very good. In Genesis 1.31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So darkness does not exist outside of God. 
we only know what darkness is because of light. They, they, darkness and light are dependent on each other. God is outside of, of darkness. Darkness doesn't, doesn't exist unless God tells it to exist. And, so, and, and, and also, God names the darkness night. And so God has dominion over darkness. It's not some mysterious evil thing that God has to subdue. It is part of his creation. Um, sometimes in Scripture, darkness represents depression or worry or negativity. In Psalm 139, 11, and 12, it says, If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The, the psalmist is speaking to God. The night is bright as the day, for the darkness is as light with you. So yes, in Scripture, sometimes darkness uh, is symbolic for evil, but I don't, I don't think that you can make that, um, or I think we should be careful with that association here in Genesis 1. Now, the next phrase, God separated. He separated the light from the darkness. This word separated, the New International Commentary on the Old Testament, the, the on Genesis, of course, uh, brings out this point. It says separated here means not to pull apart, but to assign each part to its respective sphere and slot. It, it's more of to organize and uh and 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 furthermore i think this this idea of separating it's to set apart it's related to holiness so in leviticus 20 verse 26 it says you shall be holy to me for i the lord am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine and so god is is organizing and and he is he is making he he's putting everything in its proper place Lastly, God named. In Genesis 1-5 says, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. I've mentioned this briefly before, but naming someone or something implies lordship or control or authority. So Adam is given dominion over the animals, and he is, is given the responsibility of naming the animals. And when you so in scripture, when you give something a name, you have authority over that which you have named. In Daniel 1.7, Nebuchadnezzar has taken captives to Babylon, and so it says, and the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, so that's the, the, the Jewish name, Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. So when Nebuchadnezzar takes these captives to Babylon, he gives them all Babylonian names. In renaming them, one, he's he's sort of indoctrinating them and making them a part of Babylonian culture, but it also applies that he has dominion over them. He rules over them now, and he can change their name. God does this in Scripture. He changes the name of people for significant reasons. And then creation day one ends with, there was evening and there was morning one day, or the first day. Uh, so God here defines what a day is. Last week I talked about how I believe that these are literal you know, 24-hour days of creation. In closing, creation in Genesis 1 is referenced throughout the Bible. Um, so it, it's often, often creation, physical creation, is used as an analogy for our spiritual life in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, 
the new has come. So next week, I want to talk about light. God said on day one, let there be light. And and there's a, a theme of light in scripture. And I just want to pull out some different observations there. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 